Welcome back to Calvary Baptist Church of Burbank. Uh, last time we did a video devotional, um, we were looking at John chapter 3, just coming up to that famous verse, John 3.16, and we saw specifically uh, in verse 15, um, which is where we ended it, uh, 14 and 15, um, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And as we saw last time, the context of what Jesus has been showing us from the end of chapter two and into chapter three is that it is perfectly possible, particularly on the basis of seeing signs and wonders, to have a kind of faith in Jesus, that you believe in Jesus, that you believe he's from God, that you have good thoughts about him, that, that there is a faith in Jesus, but that that faith is insufficient. And the repetition of believing goes through that section and the insufficiency of that faith has been shown. And then we come to the end of that section, verses 14, 15, and then obviously into 16, and we see that there is a faith, which is a faith that brings eternal life. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. And the difference between the faith that Nicodemus had at that point, which is a faith that believes that Jesus has been sent from God, that believes that the works are good works from God, that takes him from that insufficient faith to a faith that will give him a place in the kingdom and will give him eternal life. That The difference in verse 14 is that the son of man must be lifted up just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, for us to understand that, we've got to know about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And this is an allusion back to an Old Testament passage that's in the book of Numbers in chapter 21. So that's where we're going to be uh, for this devotional. We're going to be looking at Numbers 21. And it, the story kind of picks up in verse 4. And uh, you might want to pause and just get yourself to the passage in your Bible. Uh, I think that would be helpful for you. Um, but we're going to go straight on now. Verse 4 from Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. I don't want to get into a whole uh, devotional on grumbling, although perhaps that's one we could do another time. But I do find it interesting here that we have the repetition of food. Firstly, there's no food and then there's worthless food. So clearly there is food, but then initially they say there is no food, which is their way of saying we don't like the food that we do have. And so there is an issue here with a lack of gratitude. And as so often with the grumbling of the Israelites in the wilderness, there is an issue here in a... Um, a misrepresenting of the character of God, an implication that he doesn't care, an implication that he only brought them out to bring them uh, out of Egypt to bring them to death. And so as a result, in verse six, there is a judgment. And then the Lord, capital letters for Lord Yahweh, the name of God, he sent fiery serpents among the people. And I won't get distracted with fiery serpents other than to say that the seraphim, angelic beings that are found in Isaiah chapter 6 and elsewhere, of whom we believe that Satan was one, 
that the seraphim are regarded in those cultures at that time as being in the form of fiery serpents. When the seraphim in Isaiah 6 come to Isaiah and take the burning coal from the altar and they approach him, then we can be picturing, I think fairly accurately, fiery serpents. And the role of the seraphim, the role of the seraphim was to um, to keep the holiness of God pure, the, 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 the separation of God from all others, that he is holy and without fault, to, and to keep sin away from his presence. This really was, broadly speaking, the role of the seraphim. And so when Isaiah shows up in, in his vision in the, the, on the earth, not in heaven, in the, in the temple of the Lord, and he's there in the presence of God, and he is just completely aware of his sinfulness and his unworthiness. And then this angelic fiery serpent approaches him with a hot coal. He knows his time's up. He knows that what is coming is judgment. And then, of course, the, the, the twist of Isaiah 6, the, the radical twist, is that rather than killing him, the hot coal purifies him and that he is transformed rather than being condemned. It's a wonderful little story for another time. But suffice to say, when I see here the Lord sending fiery serpents, I do wonder if at this point we are actually rather than seeing snakes of any particular sort in a natural sense, that we're perhaps seeing angelic beings. That's a possibility. But anyways, either way, we're having fiery serpents being sent amongst the people. It's the fiery there that makes me think that um, that's how the seraphim were regarded. And um, you aren't going to find a, a snake that is, naturally speaking, on fire. So anyways, um, so the fiery serpents are there amongst the people and they bit the people. They bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against Yahweh and against you. Pray to Yahweh that he take away the serpents from us. So here we are in a situation where the people are in sin and God is judging them for their sin. And they come to a place of repentance. They come to a place of awareness of their sin. Now, let's be really frank about this. In John chapter 3, which is referencing this passage here, the people see miracles and the result of the miracles is faith, but an insufficient, unsaving faith. Here, God doesn't give a miracle. He gives judgment. He brings death. He brings trial. He brings hardship. And what's the response? A repentance that is going to lead to saving faith. You see, we still have this misconception that if God would just do this for me, if I could see this miracle, if I could see this sign, if this wonderful thing would happen, then I would believe. Yes, you would. But that belief would be insufficient. Rather, God, for us to have saving faith, needs to bring us to our knees. He needs to bring us to the point where we repent. He needs to bring us to the point where we say, along with the Israelites, we have spoken against the Lord. And so they ask Moses to pray on their behalf. And so Moses does and he prays to the people. And the Lord says to Moses, and this is what he says, and this is the solution to the problem of the people. This is the, the, the thing that is going to resolve this situation of judgment that has come upon them. 
The Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. In other words, what's going to happen here is this, that the people are being bitten and they say, oh, no, I've, I've been bitten. I've been bitten. I'm going to die. I've seen these other people being bitten and they're going to die. And God's bringing judgment. There is judgment against sin. I recognize this judgment against sin. What is the solution? And Moses has created an image, a picture of the serpents that are biting them. And he puts it up and they are to look at that fiery serpent that Moses has made. And that will be their healing. Nothing else. It's insufficient for them to say, I've been bitten by a serpent. I'm going to go and make a sacrifice. I'm going to go and sacrifice a lamb or a bull. It's insufficient for them to say, I'm just going to be really, really sorry that I sinned against you, God. What they have to do because of their repentance, and there needs to be that repentance initially as well, of course. But what they need to do from that place of repentance is obey God and to do something incredibly basic and simple, which is simply to look upon the fiery serpent, to look upon the image of the very thing that has hurt them. This is the incident that John is dealing with in chapter three. Or that Jesus is pointing Nicodemus to. What he what he's doing is he's saying, just as the Israelites looked at the those things that were bringing judgment to them, repented and then looked at them lifted up in the same way, you were going to need to do the same, not with a fiery serpent, but you're going to need to do the same with the son of man, which was Jesus's terminology that he commonly used to refer to himself. It comes from the book of Daniel and we could talk about that another time. But but he's referring to himself here. And so in other words, here's your answer, Nicodemus. This is your answer. You've come and you have faith, but your faith is insufficient. You're not part of the kingdom. You need a completely fresh start. You need to have a faith that is completely radical and different to the faith that you currently have. You have a faith. It's a faith that many who were raised in religious homes, many who today are raised in Christian homes, many who who have a have a belief in Jesus as a person have that kind of faith. It's a faith that is insufficient and it's not enough. And you're going to be judged for that faith and you need to be completely born again. And here's your solution. Your solution is that you need to look to him lifted up in the same way that they looked to the serpent being lifted up. Now look at, again at that passage in Numbers. What's happening in that passage is that the ones who are there to bring judgment to them are the ones that they have to look at. It's the serpents that are biting them. It's the serpents that are bringing death. And it's the serpent that's lifted up. So point number one, I believe, is that it, the very one that brings judgment is the one that is lifted up. Jesus is by implication here saying that his lifting up implies that he is also the one who is going to bring the judgment. There is contained within this, I believe, a declaration of his deity. Secondly, I think in all of this is that the the serpents are a picture of the sin of the people. There they are in their sin. They're rebelling against God. And the serpents are there bringing that judgment. 
What Paul says in the second Corinthians chapter five that we referenced a few devotionals ago, I think is relevant here in that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for our sakes. That Jesus becomes sin. It's like he becomes the, the thing that is a problem. The problem is the fiery serpent. So what's the solution? One that looks like a fiery serpent. What's our problem? Our problem is our sin. What's the solution? One who has become sin. I think there's that implication there as well. But the key thing here is the lifting up. That Jesus here is going to be lifted up. And throughout John's gospel, there is this reference to the glory that is going to come. And the glory is ultimately seen, as we've mentioned in a previous devotional, with the death of Jesus Christ. It is when Jesus is crucified that he is lifted up. You see, it was insufficient for Nicodemus simply to believe that Jesus was this man sent from God, that he was able to do miracles, that all this good stuff about him. But rather what Nicodemus needs to do is to look upon the crucified Christ. He needs to see him as being the one who is dying for his sins. That's the radical difference in the type of faith that is required. You see, Nicodemus needs to, like the Israelites in Numbers 21, needs to see his sin, needs to see the righteous judgment of God, and needs to look to Christ as being the solution for that sin, needs to look to Christ to be the one who is able to free him from the penalty of that sin, and that happens through the cross. It is a picture, if you like, of people being tormented, people being bitten, people being about to die. The one who looks to the serpent in Numbers 21 is the one who has already been bitten. The venom is in their, their blood, so to speak. They are about to die and they see themselves in this desperate condition and they crying out, God, what can we do? And he says, look at this one. And in the same way, there needs to be this understanding. You see, it's not good enough for us to just simply believe in Jesus. It's not good enough for us to simply have a belief that he did exist, that he did die on a cross, that he, that he was sent from God, that maybe that even though he was God himself. All of that in and of itself is insufficient. There needs to be this understanding that, that we are about to die because we have been bitten, that the judgment of God is upon us and we need to cry out to him and look to the one, the only solution for us to escape the judgment that is rightly ours. And that is a lifted up, crucified Jesus who died on the cross as a punishment for our sin in our place. And to look to that one and him alone to be our saviour. There are too many today who are like Nicodemus, who have a faith in Jesus that is insufficient. They believe in him. They believe he exists. They believe he's real. They believe he's come from God. But they've never, with acute awareness of the judgment of God upon their heart, looked to him to save them from their sins, to free them from the penalty of sin to set them free from their, the behaviour of sin in their life. They haven't recognised their woeful state and said, we have sinned against Yahweh, what must we do? And then looked to the crucified Christ 
the one who conquered death and was risen again to prove that what he accomplished on the cross was the conquering of sin and death. It is my prayer today that as we consider this passage and consider John, um, John's account of Jesus's words to Nicodemus, as we see the reference here in Numbers 21, that if any of us have a faith in Christ that is insufficient unto salvation, that we would be born again, that the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, would blow into our lives and that we would have our eyes opened and that we would see that the crucified Christ is the only solution for the sin in our hearts and the righteous judgment of God against it. God bless you.